welcome to the fifth episode of Beyond the Baselines, where music and sports collide. I'm Brianna Cooper. And I'm Leanne Strollo. And we're going to be talking about uh, bad people getting away with bad things. But the bad people are beloved stars. So That was good. Thanks. Yeah. I was going to say, like, athletes above the law, but that also doesn't include musicians. So, yeah, it was good. We both had our thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So, I feel like I talk about Led Zeppelin in every episode, but there's such an interesting... I talk about Mac Miller in every episode, and yeah. he's not even relevant. They're, they're such an interesting band, because uh, they're great musicians, and they did a lot of really messed up stuff. Oh, actually, side note before I get into Led Zeppelin. Um, this episode will contain uh, graphic depictions of violence, including sexual assault and sexual abuse towards children. Um, so, if that's something that... It, I mean, it should bother you, but if you can't handle it, um, this isn't the episode for you. Um, Click off now. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, like, next, you like know? It, it should bother you uh, yes. regardless. But Honestly, yeah. if it doesn't bother you, also click off. Yeah, don't listen to us. You're weird. <laughs> um, yeah, so getting into Led Zeppelin. So if you, were, if you were alive in the 70s and you didn't know Led Zeppelin, you lived under a rock, but not classic rock. Oh, um, I hated that. <laughs> um, but they were known for insane shows, a lot of drugs, and a lot of women. Um, and Stairway to Heaven. That's Yeah, that's true. Um, but in terms of women, uh, Jimmy Page uh, was just really gross. Um, so, well, first of all, Leanne, have you heard about the Mud Shark incident? No. Oh, God. Okay, so this doesn't involve Jimmy Page, and um, I need to make sure that I'm getting this all correct. Uh, there was actually a rumor... Um, that, uh, it was John Bonham, but it was actually their manager, Peter Grant, who, um, they were at a hotel, uh, beachside, and Peter Grant, for some reason, had a mud shark, which is a fish. I was gonna say, I don't even know what that is. It's a fish with, like, a, um... Oh, wait, a, okay, I know what that is, A yeah. beak, a weird... Yes. I don't know if you call it a beak, but a weird mouth. Supposedly, uh, he, uh, Peter, being Peter Grant... Uh, used a mud shark, uh, how do I put this delicately, like, on a groupie. Oh. Yeah. But it was, like, rumored that it was John Bonham, and later it was cleared up that it was Peter Grant. Oh, Peter great, so no big deal. <laughs> well, Peter Grant also, if you haven't read anything about Peter Grant, he was, a, a, in my opinion, he was a large part in the um, recociousness that aura that surrounded the band. I mean, they they got into the trouble. They got into trouble on their own. Uh, what I'm about to talk about, they you know that was their doing. But um, Peter Grant, being their manager, kind of a firm believer in that idea that any publicity is good publicity. Mm. And so, if it's selling them as this crazy, out of control band that would bring more people in, could have been some truth to that. I mean, they're one of the largest bands to this day. Uh, the, the, some came out in the UK that Led Zeppelin and the Foo Fighters are the biggest bands in the UK today. So, mm. which seems odd. The Foo Fighters being, I mean, not that the Foo Fighters aren't great, but like that just seems weird. Yeah. So, you know, that that's something to think about. I, I don't know why I wanted to start with that. I just thought about yeah, it. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd never heard that. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sorry for uh -huh. being the bearer Thank of that news. Um, but, so, but I will say, to all the reports that I've read, that groupie was of age. Unfortunately. Did she consent to? Um, I believe so. Did the mud shark consent? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think the mud shark. Because I feel like it probably consent. didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, so speaking of. Exclusive interview with the mud shark. <laughs> next episode. Speaking of uh, consent and. Uh, bad, bad things. Um, Jimmy Page, um, I don't want to say the word dated, but dated, uh, Lori Maddox, who at the time was 14 years old. Um, according to her, Jimmy Page was not the first rock star that she had been with. Um, she supposedly lost her virginity to David Bowie the same year that she met Jimmy Page. Um, where were her parents? Well, yeah, that's, that's the question, isn't it? Um, she was a former child model, and she began going to clubs on Sunset Strip mm -hmm. when she was in middle school. So, yeah, 14, met David Bowie, supposedly, allegedly, lost her virginity, um, and then began dating Jimmy Page. Um, according to 
rumors or, you know, I think Maddox also said this. Um, he she met him at the Hyatt House in L.A. Um, and he had a, a roadie bring her to his room and they started dating uh, again as much as it's not dating. He was in his 20s. She was 14. Like she mm-hmm. was a child. Um, they had an affair uh, that lasted a few years. Um, and she, according to Rolling Stone, uh, Paige went to great lengths to hide it because, you know, statutory rape is a thing. Even in the 70s, that was a thing. Um, and the actually the reason that uh, the relationship, if you want to call it that, ended was because Maddox walked in on Jimmy Page with another groupie, uh, Babe Well, who, um, if it helps, was of age. She was an adult. Um, but I was I was thinking about it when I uh, was researching. There, I mean, the, Jimmy Page definitely isn't the only rock star who did mm-hmm. that. I mean, according to Maddox, David Bowie uh, had been with her. Chuck Berry, uh, when he died, no one really talked about the fact that he abducted, allegedly, a 13-year-old. I don't think he served time for it. But that's just something that's sort of erased from that history. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is really the main point of this entire episode is just these people who seemingly are above the law because... Yeah. You know, and I think it might be a little different in sports because we are able to literally put monetary values on people. And, you know, your worth to my team winning is more important than, you know, my morals and and stuff like that, Um, which might be a little, it might be a little more like that in sports than it is music. But it's the same concept of like, well, this is this great person who makes this great music and is so inspirational and, and creates fantastic art. And it's like, we can just ignore the fact that, yeah, you know. Well, and I think it it really goes back to the the Me Too movement, Mm -hmm. right? And obviously the Me Too movement wasn't a thing when Lori Maddox was being abused by Jimmy Page. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. She was being abused. She was a 14-year-old girl. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, you know, and I think it really does say that there's, not that there's any excuse for any type of, you know, sexual harassment or assault or anything like that, but the idea that, you know, Jimmy Page, I'm sure, in the 60s, 70s, was a guy that could literally have probably had any woman he wanted. Mm-hmm. And you chose to have an affair with a 14-year-old for years. You know, that, that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. This isn't like, you know, this and is the only person showing me attention. But, like, you have the whole world showing you attention. Yeah. This, oh, and I can you know, guarantee this that. This was a, a mental problem that you had that yeah cause you to want to do this and i can guarantee uh you can't see the error quotation marks but this relationship during that time she wasn't the only one that he was seeing oh, yeah, yeah. That's like, what I'm saying. it's like you could have that's what i'm saying you could have whatever you want and yeah. why did you do, choose the you know it, because you have an issue clearly but looking back to the me too movement um one thing that i was coming across while i was doing research on Lori maddox um i saw a lot of people um, defending Jimmy Page um, by saying, you know, well, she was a groupie, she was going to these clubs. And you kind of, and I'm not calling you out, but like you mentioned it when you asked, like, where where were her parents? Mm-hmm. And it's like, there are factors that definitely played into this, but she was a child. Oh, like, yeah. regardless, yeah. no matter how you spin it, like, she was a child, he was not. And like you said, he had no shortage of women who wanted to be with him. And he made the disgusting choice to abuse a 14-year-old for several years. Um, so it really, in perspective, the mud shark isn't that bad. That's true, If you're not the mud shark, yeah. I guess. That is, that's, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, it, I mean, but it's, the sad thing is we're seeing the same thing today. Like, as a journalist, um, Charlie Rose was one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. I, um... I loved watching his interviews. I was that really cool kid in high school who watched Charlie Rose. But after it came out that he's a predator, people were, you know, well, why didn't anyone report? And, you know, they were just Mm -hmm. trying to get jobs, trying to get work. And it's like, that's, but it's not okay, no matter how you spin it. I think there's something that's lost on a lot of people who don't really understand sexual assault in that, like, you know, because it's like, I mean, you even said that I just said it. It's like, you kind of want to put partial blame on a lot of the victims sometimes because you're like, well, there's all these things that you think they could have done. Right. And like the bottom line is that like an abuse of power 
when you involve sex into it is sexual misconduct like that is illegal like you cannot well and i think you're also more prone to make excuses or blame the victim in some part when you admire the person yeah and i tried to like call myself out on that a lot too because even when it's not like that serious but like i mean if you're if your favorite player does something even or you know that's not super illegal but they just did something bad you you automatically kind of go to like Oh, like a great example right now is like Tom Wilson is one of my favorite NHL players and he's kind of under a lot of fire right now because he's a pretty heavy hitter and has given a lot of guys concussions and in the wake of like CTE and, you know, we're trying to create a better concussion protocol. He's out here just slamming guys, you know, and he'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, you know, I kind of had to, I found myself defending him a lot and then I'm like, I have to take a step back and separate my personal, you know, feelings. I'm like that. He's one of my favorite players. And say, like, no, you're doing something wrong. And I think a lot of people totally miss that with sports and music. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. Just, well, and I they're my do- favorite. They can't do anything wrong. And, you know. Exactly. I have to do the same thing with Jimmy Page because mm-hmm. uh, Led Zeppelin, hands down, one of my favorite groups. The only thing I think that's different about music, though, especially when you're talking about older music, is, like, I think you can still appreciate the art without, you know. Well, I mean, obviously, you still listen to Led Zeppelin. You still yeah. like the music. You, there, It's way easier to separate where I think for sports it's, like, I have a hard time if I find out that someone's, like, a bad person or has, like, abused somebody or, or, you know, something like that, that I'm, like, I don't want to even, you know, because them still playing, they're still making money, they still get fame and notoriety. If I go to a game, I'm still technically buying into it. So I think it's a little harder to separate, like, the art of it. Yeah. Because sports, I mean, I consider sports an art, but, like, it's not the same concept. I'm also very guilty, though, of giving Jimmy Page a lot of money. (laughs) Uh, Because that box set that came out a couple months ago, How the West was one, uh, quite a bit of my money. (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, but, you know, it's just. it's it's true. And I think, um, especially in a not to downplay sports, but it's it's a different form of. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, especially when you're considering, like, there's, I mean, Obviously, uh, sexual abuse is far worse than, like, taking steroids. But when you take steroids, you're completely shifting the art of the sport. And even that's why I brought up the Tom Wilson thing. Because it's like, you know, no, it's not illegal for a hockey player to check another hockey player. But, you know, if you know about the situation of it all, you're like, yeah, that kind of makes him kind of bad. And maybe I don't. And, And no, it's like, no, I'm not shunning him from life and you know he's still one of my favorite hockey players but again it's like you have to just take a step back and be like i need to be able to separate my personal feelings from you know yeah and like you brought up steroids the same way when like a rod had you know found out that he was doing steroids it's like how do you you know we spend all this time trashing all these red sox players who did steroids now one of our hours did it how do we as yankee fans react to that and i gotta ask you and this is not really related to sports or music, but it is related to journalism. Um, So speaking of the Me Too movement, um, a few months ago, it was reported that Dustin Hoffman um, Mm -hmm. allegedly abused, I think mainly verbal. That was like years ago. Time is a weird (laughs) concept for me. I really thought that was, but also 2018 has felt like a decade. Yeah, well, the Me Too movement started late last year, I believe. So I think it was, at some point, it was kind of recently. Um, But Dustin Hoffman, it came out that he allegedly uh, made a lot of inappropriate comments in the past. And I think there was one instance of possible groping, Mm -hmm. an allegation. Um, But at a completely unrelated panel that John Oliver, the comedian, was Mm -hmm. hosting... Um, he asked him a question about those allegations. And so I was wondering, because we're talking about, you know, this happened years ago. You know, you mm-hmm. can still appreciate the art. In the wake of the Me Too movement, should these allegations still be brought up? Should the men still be held accountable for something that happened decades ago? See, this is a thing that I always talk about with sports, too, because, like, it. you wonder, like, because my, my, my dad... And I, when we talk a lot, is, again, I'm going to bring this up every episode that me and my dad talk a lot about sports. You know, we try to play devil's advocate for each other because we just like to have, I guess, like, you know, more intellectual conversations and everything. And, no, you just like yeah. to argue. <laughs> That's, no, well, because it's not always, like, our actual viewpoints. It's yeah. just, you know, it really is playing devil's advocate. Um, and it's it's a lot of, you know, well, when when do you think enough is enough? Like, what do you, and another great example of having to separate your own personal affiliations for things was, um, Ray Rice, who played for the Ravens and won a Super Bowl with them, went to my high school, and in my hometown, he's, like, considered a hero, and, like, 
you know, this crazy great guy and everything, which, and that's always what I knew him as. He had donated money to my high school football team. He constantly did visits. He had, um, he used to have a weekend every year where he would bring like other NFL players and they would do like a huge thing for like kids in the community, like seemingly a very great guy. And then obviously a lot of people know about what happened, you know, he was caught, um, beating his wife in you know an elevator and he oh i'm trying to remember which one ray rice was yeah Um, (laughs) yeah so he um that happened and uh people i think in my hometown grapple very much with like how do you respond to that because to us he's still like this hometown hero Mm -hmm. but you know and i had to again like take a step back and say like this is one of my childhood heroes one of my favorite players on my favorite team you know how do you step back and say, like, no, he did something wrong? And then my dad brought it up, too, of, like, you know, when do you think enough is enough? Like, if he gets, if he loses his job, if he goes to uh, jail, if he does his time, if he goes to therapy and gets help for this obvious issue that he has, if, if all of that settles, like, do you think somebody can come back from that? And mm-hmm. I said, like, yes, because I don't think, you know, and it's the same thing with, like, even the case of Michael Vick. He went to jail, he did his time, he got help, and then he made a comeback in the NFL. Michael Vick bought dogs, yes. right? Okay. Yeah. So, again, I mean, it is a little different that it's not like he killed somebody or, you know, but, I mean, he was doing something illegal. He and was dogs are animals, the closest you know. thing we have to angels. <laughs> that is true. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like, that out there. it's like, <laughs> it's like if you, it, it's just the concept of, like, do you think anybody can, can kind of come back from that? And I said, you know, a lot of these cases, these people go by without ever serving time, mm-hmm. without getting sentenced anything without seeking out help you know what i mean that's one of the biggest things i think in the ray rice case and then the michael vick case as well is like they were completely cooperative they got help they went to therapy you know they did all these things that i think you know no maybe you shouldn't be shunned from the community forever Mm -hmm. if you're saying if you're acknowledging hey i made this mistake and i want to pay for it you know i think that's why it's hard for me um with with sexual assault yeah, because whenever I, I mean, that's something. Like I said, I did bring up two topics that weren't. Well, I, I was just saying, as much that, as I but... love Led Zeppelin, and honestly, I love Jimmy Page. I think he's one of the best guitarists mm-hmm. to ever hold a guitar. Um, I think he's done so many great things for music, but it is hard because every time I see him, I just think you not only it wasn't just sexual assault, mm-hmm. which is bad enough. It was sexual assault on a minor, yeah, which is reprehensible. And I think the reason that the Me Too movement was so important was it was calling out these men who have never had yes. to face time for what they did. And obviously, Paige kept the the relationship with uh, Lori Maddox hidden because he could face charges of statutory yeah. rape. There was never that conversation about, well, you need help. or yeah. Because I do think sexual assault is, is one of those weird topics when you're talking about rehabilitation because there's there's something very wrong mm-hmm. when you think that you have a right to someone else's body. Yeah. So I don't really yeah. I, I'm not qualified to say whether or not you can be rehabilitated for that. Because well, I was I was thinking about this the other day too. But I, the fact of the matter is I'm sorry, they never had to yeah. be rehabilitated because they never had to face consequences for their actions. Yeah. Like I was um I think there's a there's like a weird debate in like life of just like what's worse, like rape or murder, as if those are like a fun topic to talk like that's what we talked about. Don't do both of them. We've talked about um, both murder and rape yeah. in the last 18 <laughs> yeah. minutes. So but um you know and I kind of think like you know the it, there's like this this idea like I was thinking trying to think of an answer to that and I was like you know you can accidentally kill someone. You know what I mean? Like that's like you can run your car off the road. You can do you know what I mean? And maybe there is a reason somewhere down in there that could have prevented it, but there are accidental ways to kill somebody. I don't think there's a single accidental way to rape somebody. So, like, this comes from something within you yeah. that is not, you know what I mean? Like, because people get, get like, there was one thing I was reading about that was, like, vehicular manslaughter and stuff like that. Like, that's an act, you killed somebody accidentally. Not to say that it wasn't a bad situation. Maybe you were drunk driving or whatever, but, like, you know, or speeding or the something like that. The intent wasn't but there. The intent wasn't there. Like, there's no rape that there is not intent yeah. to rape, you know? Like, yeah. I will say there are, like, those weird cases where, like, yeah. the guy didn't know that she was 16 or, you know, whatever it was, which yeah. that's, you know. But still, I mean, it, it yeah, but I just think, like. Devil's in advocate. A, in an, yeah. Yeah. Just, in yeah. an overall sense of the word, though, like, there's really not a way to. I mean, and, and even if you want to really get into, I mean, you could ask for her ID. Like, if you're Jimmy Page and you're trying to not, you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I know that that's like, you know, but I, I really don't think he cared that much. But we'll, I mean, hey, that's I the problem. Yeah, though. that's the problem. And that's, you know, that that's what I was thinking about when I was kind of trying to find that link between the Lori Maddox situation and the mm-hmm. Me Too movement is that, you know, you can be rehabilitated mm-hmm. for, you know, if you're violent, if you mm-hmm. have rage issues, or you fight dogs or whatever it is. Yeah. I, but we've had just not even decades. I mean, just the entire span of humanity, mm-hmm. men have not had to yeah. be held accountable for those actions in many yeah. cases, especially when you're famous, which is obviously mm-hmm. the point of this episode. Well, that's, I do have one more hockey story. I have a couple other. I'm bringing up stories I didn't even plan on talking about. But one more hockey story um, that I think plays into this topic that we've been talking about very well. It wasn't sexual assault, but um, domestic assault. Um, there seems to be a lot of that in sports in general, but yeah. specifically hockey. Yeah, I mean, I think, and like I was saying this before too, that there's a weird connection, I think, with a lot of the more contact sports, violent sports, and suicide. Um, and then again, there's like a theme of that, with, and then also domestic violence that, I mean, it's something that we need to talk about, and, and you know, it, this isn't just a coincidence, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think, I mean, I've, this is another <laughs> another episode, but briefly, I think that a lot of it stems from the fact that we really, really glorify athletes in this country, especially the football players and the baseball players and, the, and hockey and basketball being, you know, the main four sports. Um, we really glorify athletes. I mean, and I'm talking all through life. When you're good in middle school, you know, uh, and you're good in high school, you not essentially get a free pass, but, you know, you're the, the big man on campus when you're the, the you know, the almighty football player in high school. And I mean, I was just reading something about a hockey player who's 13 and just, uh, what's the word, um, when you like, say you're going to a college. You when, commit? Yes, like just committed to a college for hockey at 13. Yeah. Like, you should not, yeah. be, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, and, athletes, I mean, you could get a full ride to a good school with a 2.3. Not that I know anyone who did yeah. that, but if you can throw a ball, you can go but, anywhere you yeah, want. Yeah, like, so it's just, you know, and I mean, I'm a huge sports fan, obviously, Only so. Slightly better. <laughs> um, I'm, like I said, I'm obviously a huge sports fan, so, you know, whatever, I, that's part of it. But, um, you know, I don't want to diminish the value that you give as, a, as an athlete, but we glorify these people so much that speaking of my dad always talking to me he's calling me right now (laughs) um put him on the podcast (laughs) um but yeah we glorify athletes so much to the point that i think that they just a lot of and granted this is not everybody um but a lot of them just feel like they are owed everything so when you know a woman tells them no or you know something like or, or you know fights back against them somehow they just don't understand it because they've been given everything they've ever wanted for their whole life i'll let you go into your story but i do have one I want your opinion on, on mm-hmm. something because hockey and foot, I think hockey and football, and this is somebody who doesn't really follow either closely, but those seem to be the two sports where domestic violence cases are the most prevalent, at least the most publicized. Boxing, fighting. Okay, well, too. that's actually a good, uh, I mean, again, that, that, it's, it's another one of the more violent. I was just say, you know, it fits yeah. into my question. Is, is that the reason? I mean, you never hear I, about I, I mean, lacrosse see, players. You don't really like, know. Well, that's funny you bring that up because. Duke. <laughs> Duke. Okay, they um, were found not guilty. I, so. I know that, but... Uh, Allegedly, it yeah. happened. Well, I... That's yes, it's another podcast. Okay. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't think we know a reason, and I think part of that is because we don't look into these things enough because it's ding, such ding, ding. A, an, an old boys club, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I would get make that as my guess, as, you know, yeah, you take these men who, you know... And my, my, like, again, my dad, he played football in high school and he, you know, told me about what, you know, they they trained you to be violent. I was just saying, I mean, boxing, you, you yeah, get paid you, to beat the shit exactly, out of somebody else. Exactly. I mean, hockey, the same the same thing, really, you know, um, for a lot of them. So it's yeah. like, and, and especially I think within hockey, too, they're, and football right now, they are kind of going through their concussion protocols and trying to make things, you know, a lot safer for people. But hockey is this weird scenario where, like, on one hand, they're like, Oh yeah, well we really want to be careful of concussions, but then on the other hand, encourage you know uh, rivalries. Not that rivalries, but you know they'll publicize their Wednesday night rivalry games and have like video clips of two guys just all out brawling, and they encourage that. And I'm like, how on one hand do you care so much about the safety of players, yet this is like the bread and butter of what you mm-hmm. want to publicize, you know? And then again, it comes back to also is like how basic of a fan are you and how much do you actually care about the sport? Because me personally, I find hockey fights incredibly boring. 
and they just yeah. result in a bunch of penalties. Like, I'd rather see, like, sick goals and, like, really good goalies making sick. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and it is funny, though, that, you know, hockey brawls are just... I, I know people who go to a hockey game, if they don't see a fight, they feel cheated somehow. Yeah, I, today, I and, and You brought this up, but today is the 14th anniversary of the Pacers brawl. Malice in the Palace. Yeah. Well, that's a little different, too, though, because, I mean, that like, fan, if that fan wanted a brawl, he got one. <laughs> I I can't believe it's been 14 years because I remember I watching. Well, that I on also TV. too. I'm gonna own up to it in the fact that I can't do math and I added wrong and I said it was 18 at first. Yeah, I, I like, felt 18 really 18 years ago, and then and then I realized that I just can't do math. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was gonna talk about that. I guess I can talk about that now. Um, yeah. I, Sorry, I forced your yeah. hand. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, it's really good. I mean, I yeah, I was gonna bring up Alice and Alice. And when you're listening to this, it's gonna be weeks from now, and it will not be November nineteenth. But it's November nineteenth right now. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, so it's been exactly um fourteen years since Malice in the Palace, which took place in Michigan. It was a Pacers uh Pistons game, and uh, Ron Artest or Meta World Peace, however you <laughs> prefer. <laughs> Uh, Didn't he just, like, clock somebody? Yeah, so uh, basically World a fan um, in the crowd I, was being rowdy, throwing beers, which, I mean, granted, this was 14 years ago, beers were probably cheaper, but, like, if you ever throw <laughs> a beer <laughs> at a sporting event, and I say this as someone who has had a beer thrown on me at a sporting event. What'd you do? Um, I was 13, and I was at that a Yankees-Red Sox game, and a Red Sox fan, like, threw beer. My dad, like, almost got arrested <laughs> He, like, was going to kill this man. But, um, yeah, like, if you spend that much money on a beer just to throw it at somebody, like, you don't deserve to be there. But anyway, this man, he really got what he what he paid for, though, because he threw a beer. Um, kind of, I, I don't know if it was exactly supposed to be on the players or what, but, you know, threw a beer. is like, yelling at everybody, and, and our test was not having it. <laughs> just jumped in the crowd like fought the guy like right there everybody went wild both teams at this point they're fighting each other they're fighting the fans everybody's just fighting I really I mean I wasn't watching it I'm really not a basketball fan and especially at the time I was absolutely not watching it and I mean also too you're in Indiana it was a Pacers game yeah to be honest and I know this sounds stupid but 14 years ago I was like seven right can I do math yeah yeah seven <laughs> um wow um, we're journalism majors. <laughs> not overly into sports at all. I didn't really, and this is dumb of me, I didn't think that it was like a national thing. And I, I should have. I mean, that's a huge oh, deal yeah. when two NBA teams literally start fighting yeah. the crowd. Um, so when you brought it up, I was like, Malice in the... I was like, oh, she oh, no, knows about thing. this? Like, People this New know, Yorker yeah. knows about this? Yeah, um, this New Yorker. <laughs> so, I'm like the most sports-obsessed person ever. Like, that's, I know yeah. But it was just because at that time I, my worldview was so limited that and I, mean, I was it surprised. Make sense that you're watching the Pacers, so even like in that sense, you're like, oh, it's just it's Indiana, whatever. Well, I remember too, though the impact. And again, I'm not the biggest sports person, but the, it did have a huge impact on. Oh yes. Even in the city, how people talked about the team, how people felt about the team. I know all my, across the NBA, I think, and it really kind of stained the NBA. Like it was. Um, I mean, especially the NBA being. Probably the most, I mean, at the time, too, like, being the most diverse of, again, the four major sports, you know, has, like, the highest rate of African-American influence, players, you know, fans, mm -hmm. you know, they're actively trying to get away from this label that's been put on them of, like, everybody's gangsters and thugs and blah, 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 and they go play basketball, and this did not help that yeah. at all, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that, that happened, and the only reason why I say that he kind of ended up above the law. He just ended up with community service hours, which I kind of feel like, I mean, you know, and I just hate trying to rate like crimes, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, he, he started a fight. Like, do I want the guy to go to prison for 20 years? Like, no, you know what I mean? Um, and he did, you know, I, I did, I wrote it down, um, among not just him, but of all the players, uh, that ended up taking the fall for this, there was 146 games worth of suspensions um, um, across nine players and uh, almost $11 million lost in salaries for them. Because, yeah. you know, if you're suspended, you lose your salaries for those games. Um, and he ended up with uh, some hours of community service and stuff. So I don't know, you know, does that happen if you're not famous? I will say, though. Do you think that I, he did his time appropriately or whatever? You know, he lost his money. He lost games, you know. I will say my, my dad was watching that game. So mm -hmm. that's why I remembered it because he was, like, freaking out. And yeah. I know. 
Um, I, I think, you know, he just punched a guy, right? He just started to fight. But this is a large man going up against See, a non-professional this is, athlete. This is another so. thing that I always have to say, too, about... I, I said it when the Ray Rice thing happened. Because um, a lot of people... It, well, in that one, too, there was kind of this unclear, like, well, the wife was fighting back and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it, do you want equality? Like, this week? And I'm like, there is, you know, yes, a certain level of equality you should want. But like you said, I feel like all, all bets are off when you're talking about a professional athlete who trains daily yeah. to be stronger than the average person and to be bigger and better. You know what I mean? Also, why is that always the argument against yeah. women's equality? Like, if you want equality, why can't I punch you in the face? Like, like, you just need some help, buddy. <laughs> But, um, but I mean, I don't, I mean, not, that's a conversation to be had too uh, at another time of like, you know, yes, if a, if a woman can hit a man, can a man hit a woman? Maybe so. But if you're a professional athlete and, and that's the same thing that, um, you know, was said about Hope Solo when she was brought up for like domestic abuse, um, it's like, well, it's a woman this time. Well, and it's like, I don't care. Like, no, being a professional female athlete versus a, a non-athlete man doesn't make it an equal. Like, if wasn't you're a, she married to that? I'm not trying to defend yes. it, but she was married. To well, an no, athlete. she he wasn't the one she abused. Apparently. Oh, that's a whole. That's a story. Hope Solo just seems like an awful person. <laughs> I'm just gonna go on the record. Yeah, and say that. I'm not a huge fan. Um, but she, you know, uh, that happened, and that's I was my like, hot take. I, <laughs> I just think my bottom line is I just think if you're a professional athlete, you should not be hitting anybody how about like, we just all don't hit anybody you don't hit anybody it's not cool um, but i think you know there Give is you chance. have an advantage metal world piece <laughs> yeah exactly i think that's that uh, <laughs> well i was gonna bring up a store where you i that's pretty much it i just i thought it would it was interesting that malice and palace was exactly today so yeah i had to mention it and you're in indiana so yeah had to had to bring it up um this next story um i i, I was conflicted in, in whether uh, to share it because first of all a lot of people already know the story but also um he didn't technically get away with it and the point of this uh episode is people who got away with it but um so in 1975 um a 17 year old girl from philadelphia dropped out of the university of colorado and moved to new york city in the hopes of attracting uh, two members of the heartbreakers uh johnny thunders and jerry nolan not tom petty and the heartbreakers but the you know the Heartbreakers band. Um, that didn't work. Uh, they they dodged a bullet and they decided, or they uh, they didn't uh, take her up on the offer. But she did uh, meet and fall in love with Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols, and of course, I'm talking about Nancy Spungen. Um, she pretty much admitted. <laughs> not my fave, but uh, she pretty much admitted to being a prostitute. Um, she brought drugs to the bands in exchange for sex, uh, which is pretty much the definition of, of prostitution. Well, actually, Wait, not really. She, she brought, brought the drugs, and they... So I guess well, she was in it for the sex, I guess. So and the they fame. were the prostitutes. Oh, plot twist. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> um, A band called the Sex Pistols were prostituting themselves. <laughs> um, but... She um, was not well-liked by the other members of the Sex Pistols. Johnny Rotten hated her. Um, I and imagine there's not much he likes, though. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a very happy guy. He's like <laughs> He was like a grumpy old he man in his 20s. He himself Rotten. That's, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, Lee Childers, who was the, the tour manager for the Heartbreakers, the group that she was initially trying to get with, um... He said of Nancy, uh, quote, she was a junkie, a drug supplier, and an all-around lowlife. She was a, direct quote still, very, 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 very bad influence on people who are already a mess. She was a troublemaker and a stirrer-upper. And that was from Please Kill Me, the Uncensored Oral History of Punk. Um, so, and, and Sid Vicious, it's worth pointing out, had a really messed up relationship with his mother. His mother was I would his, imagine. Yeah, his mother was his first dope supplier um, because she herself was a heroin mm. addict. Um, and so his relationship with Nancy was very well documented to be very maternal. Um, he, she was his caretaker. And, and because, I mean, if, when you get dope from your mom, you know, then now this woman is giving you dope and she's having sex with you. So, you know, that's... Uh, yeah, this is a weird Again, story. Again, a whole other podcast, really. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Sid Vicious, it was documented while he was in the Sex Pistols, which you pointed out an episode ago, maybe, that uh, 
he wasn't really around much for the Sex Pistols anyway. I just hate the fact that he gets all this credit. And I say this as a Sex Pistols fan. He gets, like, so much credit for everything. And he is not even recorded on any album. <laughs> like. Yeah. I mean. He barely played, like, this. Yeah. Okay. As someone who does not like uh, the Sex Pistols, uh, I agree, I guess. Uh, I don't like any of them. Um, but on October 11th, uh, 78, um, Sid Vicious took uh, an insane, he was reported that he took as many as 30 tablets of t- t- I don't know how to say it, T-U-I-N-A-L. You might know more about drugs than me. Tuinal. Um, a far larger dose of barbiturate than most of us could survive, according to uh, Rolling Stone. Um, and he remained comatose. Throughout the early morning, woke up and found Nancy uh, bled to death in the bathroom of their apartment. From, like, multiple stab wounds, right? Multiple stab wounds, yes. So he was... Well, ar- she obviously stabbed herself. Yeah, yeah. She was. Ar- he was arrested um, and never stood trial for the murder because he was out on bail and overdosed on heroin. Um, so, again, didn't really get away with it. I mean, he died, right? But he yeah. never faced trial. And I think um, on uh, part of the reason that story is so interesting are the theories around his death. Um, there are theories that that was a botched double suicide. That, you know, she killed herself. He meant to kill himself with an overdose. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a theory that his mother killed him. Mm-hmm. That she knew that he, because he was a, I, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of Sid Vicious. I'm, oh, I know you have. That was more to the listeners. I don't know why. <laughs> so that, like, that very skinny, scrawny guy, mm-hmm. um, supposedly very shy and awkward, uh, he would have been eaten alive in prison. And so the theory yeah. is that his mom took pity on him, and he had already... And killed him. Well, he had already, supposedly, the night that he died, had already worked himself up to a state mm-hmm. that, you know, he was already in bad shape and she just sort of gave him the final dose that he needed to die mm-hmm. um so it's an interesting theory and it also kind of leads me to the other story that i'm going to go into real quick and this is the story where that trigger warning that i gave at the top of the top of the hour is that what we're going to call it um the beginning of the podcast, the of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where this comes in um is another guy who uh he got away with it uh phil specter he got he or he didn't you get said away. that with like such disgust. That was great. He didn't get away with it. Let me rephrase that because he is currently in jail uh, for murder. But uh, I think he got away with it in the eyes of society, in a sense. So, in two thousand and three, uh, an actress uh, named Laura uh, Clarkson was found dead in Phil Spector's home uh, with a gunshot wound uh, to her mouth, and when Police got there. Um, her teeth were scattered on the carpet. Um, she was slumped over in a chair. Um, Phil Spector's attorneys claimed that uh, it was a suicide, uh, and that didn't work out for him. Uh, and in 2009, he was charged with murder um, and sentenced to 18 years to life in prison for second-degree murder. Um, and uh, but. Phil Spector, have you ever heard of Imagine, Leanne, by John Lennon? Yes. Yeah. He was a co-producer. He also produced Let It Be by the Beatles, mm-hmm. it's a band you might have heard of. Um, so despite all of this terrible, terrible shit, and beyond second-degree murder, uh, he has twin sons um, who accused Spector of horrific physical and sexual abuse, uh, claiming that he held them captive when they were young and forced them to perform sexual acts on his girlfriend at the time. Um, he, uh, it's well documented, he gave the eulogy at Ike Turner's funeral and berated Tina Turner for um, calling him out for domestic violence. Uh, pulled a gun on multiple people he worked with, including Leonard Cohen and uh, uh, Debbie Harry from Blondie. Uh, so all around, just a terrible guy. And of course, you know, he, that's kind of forgotten because he made all these good albums. I mean, he did the, the albums of the 60s, 70s, and into the 80s and beyond. I mean, probably Phil Spector had something to do with it, but that overshadows the fact that he literally murdered a woman and his own mm-hmm. children accused him of 
physical and sexual abuse. Uh, he was married to Ronnie Spector, who also accused him of horrific domestic violence. Um, but there is an article, and I'm trying to find it in my stack of 40 papers in front of me, but there is an article from um, Classic Rock Magazine talking about, um, talking about uh, Phil Spector. And well, if you heard that, it was all of Bree's <laughs> notes falling to the ground. Here we go. I found it. Um, it was written by a guy named Nick DeRiso. Um, and I'll just read you the, the opening paragraph. Quote, uh, it's, the headline is, five years ago, Phil Spector convicted of murder. So, quote, Phil Spector remains in prison today, convicted on April 13, 2009, for the second-degree murder of Lena Clarkson, a blonde actress who was found shot to death in the legendary producer's 30-room mansion. It was, a tragic, it was a tragic end to a music career that saw as many dizzying heights as it did truly bizarre twists, end quote. Now, I know what you're all thinking. I'm glad I just found out that she was blonde. <laughs> yes, that and my favorite line, though, it was a tragic end to a music career. She died. Like, she was shot. I'm sure and she's, like, chilling dead somewhere, like, wow, I'm so she was shot sad that his music career's over. In his, in his home. Yeah. So supposedly they met up, or they met at the House of Blues um, in L.A. where she was working as a hostess. And he asked her out um, to go drinking. And they eventually ended up in his, uh, in his house. And uh, quoting, I'm actually quoting the Classic Rock article. Um, but there, when Clarkson spurned his advances, prosecutors said Spectre shoved a gun in her mouth and pulled the trigger. Spectre's own driver said he heard a loud noise on the night in question and then saw the producer fleeing his home, pistol in hand. Um, but yeah, let's worry about his music career, right? Well, that's, I mean, the same thing about, like I was saying, with athletes. It's like, and it's it's a stigma among many just men in general, I feel like. It's like, well, we can't ruin his life and we can't ruin, you know, this. Or like in a sports context, it's like, but he's going to play so well this year. And like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry. I'd rather my team lose than have to sit and root for someone who killed someone or raped someone or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we do as a society have this weird fascination mm -hmm. with it, though, because we were talking earlier before we started recording about how great uh, Al Pacino is because mm -hmm. he played, you know, obviously, the Godfather and Scarface. And then he played Jack Kevorkian. And Joe Paterno, he also played Phil Spector in a TV movie, and people watched it. I, I can't remember if he won an Emmy, but he was nominated for one. Because we have this weird fascination of, of a culture as watching people's downfall. Oh, yeah. But then on top of the fact that I'm not going to sit here and say Phil Spector didn't make some of my favorite music. He produced mm -hmm. uh, All Things Must Pass, which is George Harrison's biggest <clears throat> uh, solo record. I believe it was the highest selling solo record that any of the Beatles had. He was a great producer. He was a monster of a human. He is a monster of a human mm -hmm. being. He's still rotting away in prison because that's he got justice. Yeah. Um, but I think in the eyes of society, he people people don't really talk about his murder conviction. Yeah. When you think about Phil Spector, you think about his music mm -hmm. and what he did in the studio. And you know, it's, for Lena Clarkson, where's the justice in that? No yeah. one remembers what he did to her. Yeah, that's a great transition because there's a baseball player who, um, again, I did grow up in New York, so I tend to, I, I guess, know a lot more about like New York sports history and, you know, grew up when I was younger, was hearing about a lot of things. So a big, a big deal in New York for whatever fan you are. Um, the 1986 Mets is one of the best probably World Series stories ever. Um, the Mets are like just the lovable losers and, you know, don't, don't, don't do much. That's good. <laughs> um, As a but, Cubs fan, I, that's funny. <laughs> well, I mean, it, well, cause when you're, when you're like a Yankees fan, you're, you, we, we tend to look at, and it's very ironic too, because I'm a Yankees fan. My little brother is a Mets fan and we kind of treat them like the little brother. It's like, oh, it's cute. You're trying, you know? <laughs> um, but the 1986 Mets, I mean, and again, it's like, if you ask anybody that lived through the eighties, especially in New York, will tell you like, they were on another level. They were on another planet. Um, they also probably felt like they were on another planet because apparently there are a lot of crazy drug stories <laughs> that the 1986 Mets will tell you. That's not even what I want to talk about. Um, what I want to talk about was Lenny Dykstra, who um, was on that 86 team. He played for the Mets. Um, I think he's probably most notable for that. That could just be because I'm from New York. Um, but he also played for the Phillies, too. Um, and this is something I did not know about until 
I was an adult. Um, he, to me, was just, oh, he was a, a good player on the Mets, you know. Um, I'm just going to read this. Uh, so in total, Lenny Dykstra has... No, like I just I I found these I piled okay. up I compiled oh, okay. things um, myself. Um, Twenty five counts of grand, grand theft auto. Oh, uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment, bankruptcy fraud, money laundering, indecent exposure, identity theft, drug oh. possession. Oh, um, and then to top it all off, uh, years after he played probable steroid use during his career. <laughs> so obviously this is probably the the least uh heinous of these crimes is he a, like a well-known figure in new york like easily recognizable i would say yeah. how do you get away with identity fraud i don't know that's just i don't know that, um, that was my question and granted, like i said i hadn't found this out until later in my life um so i spent a good probably 10 years just knowing lenny dykstra as a good mets player um, he only spent in total six months in jail for 25 counts of Grand Theft Auto, bankruptcy fraud, sexual assault, sexual harassment, all these things that I just read. What, what specifically um, was he in jail for? I don't even, that, that was just, I think it was like multiple different charges that like that's, I just know that that's the grand total of amount of time that he spent. So it wasn't even like a six month sentence. It was I, it just could, I really collected. Um, but yeah, so there's that. That's a lot. That's I, just a. I mean, each of those individually <laughs> could probably warrant five counts of Grand Theft Auto. I can't like even at drive. At what point do you stop stealing the car? Yeah, I wonder if it was the same car. <laughs> like, at what point do you just say, you know what, I'm not good at this? If it was the same car, that'd be like a cartoon joke. I like just, you keep trying to steal yeah, this I, car. I, just, I mean, I, it 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 had to have been some type of mob related thing. Is like where my mind goes to first. You don't get into money laundering and grand theft auto and bankruptcy, like, theft and identity What's bankruptcy fraud? Like, you just pretend to be bankrupt to probably, get aid? yeah. I mean... I just feel like it's beyond... I mean, that's obviously terrible, but it's mind-boggling that he got, like... And then we haven't and, even talked about the sexual M assault and sexual harassment that's casually thrown Right, in like an MLB player. Like, oh yeah, I'm bankrupt. I mean, well, because there's so I, much paperwork for that, that. I mean, yeah. How do you pull it off? Yeah, I, I'm telling you, it's probably involved in the mob somehow. Um, and there's probably someone that knows. He is a lot from more New York, this. so safe from that. Maybe's. <laughs> um, but and I just thought that that was. I mean, clearly, this is someone who was very much above the law and did not, you know, get. You know, yes, he may have spent time in prison, but he did not get rightfully, you know, what was deserved. Clearly. Yeah. And I think it's similar, I mean, obviously six months in jail isn't anything, but it's similar to Phil Spector in that sense of, like, he did all these terrible things, but no one talks about that. They and talk again, about that's what I was going to say. I was like, how did I go so long without knowing about this? Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's it's me, because, like, I, I mean, anybody that knows me knows I'm a crazy sports fanatic. I just love reading about stuff like this. So it's like, why why did it take me so long to find this out? Like, in my opinion, when someone like that, when you hear their name, your mind shouldn't automatically go to, like, oh, a really good Mets player. It should go to, like, awful person. Yeah. Because look at all the shit they got into. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and so I kind of have a flip story that's one of my all-time favorite sports stories to talk about, um, which is Tanya Harding. Ah. Um, I don't know how much you know about it, but I know a lot. <laughs> Because, again, it's one of my favorite stories. Um, I think, I mean, really the jury's still out on whether or not she did it. Um, but yeah. whatever you think about it, about her, Tanya Harding has had a, a horrible reputation for herself, for her family, for anybody associated with her from before she was ever accused of doing anything. People hate this woman. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's something to be said about the fact that, you know, we bring up all these men who have done horrible things and they get all these free passes and all these things. And you bring up this one woman <laughs> and everybody hates her. Um, but, you know, whether it be that or the fact that, I mean, you know, she grew up in a very unstable uh, home and, you know, it was very unconventional. It was not at all, um, you know, well, I guess I should backtrack a little bit and say, kind of introduce it. Um, Tanya Harding was a... U.S. figure skater in the 80s and 90s. Um, really, really good. Um, just to put in perspective, she is the first uh, American um, uh, female figure skater to land the triple axel. 
she should have been the first one to do it in Olympic competition. Um, and that would have been in the early 90s. Just again, to put it in perspective, the first American uh, female U.S. figure skater did not land a triple axel until earlier this year. So this is almost 30 years, you know, that if she had done that in, in the Olympics back then, um, would have, I mean, completely changed the sport of figure skating for women. Because um, that would have set a precedent that they, you know, I mean, we're just getting to the point now where women are landing triple axles in the Olympics. So, you know, if you could do that 30 years ago, that changes the entire sport, you know. Mm -hmm. So this woman was very, very good. And everybody knew that from a, a young age. Um, but she, unfortunately, did not fit the mold of the figure skater. Um, the, you know, the, the, the girly, tutu-wearing, you know, smile and wear makeup figure skater that everybody had come to know and love. Um, Tanya Harding came from a, a very rough family. She grew up, she would describe herself. I personally hate the term like tomboy, but that's how she would describe herself. She, you know, she would go to figure skate, she'd go to practice and then go home and be chopping wood and, and working on a farm and, you know, doing all like mm -hmm. just very, very, you know, she was like, I was very boyish, you know? Um, she was like tough. She was just rough around the edges type of girl, you know? Yeah. And um, a lot of that came from probable abuse from her mother um, and again, it, the movie just came out, I believe, I believe it was this year. Again, like I said, 2018 feels like it's been a decade, <laughs> so I don't even, but the, uh, the movie I, Tanya, um, kind of delves into her life a lot more, um, than it does the entire case with Nancy Kerrigan. Um, and uh, in my opinion, the movie kind of victimizes her a lot more and definitely makes you feel like she's telling the truth and she's not guilty and stuff. And again, it, you can think what you want on that, um, but it's a really good movie um, from that perspective. But yeah, and, and it does show, I mean, assuming that the, the part about her childhood and everything is true, it does show a lot of really good context there. You kind of understand, yeah. you know, why she was the way she was. Um, but again, yeah, really, really good. And so, you know, late 80s, early 90s, you know, she gets this reputation of, of you know, people wanted to push her out of USA figure skating because they don't want that character here. They want the face of USA figure skating to be, like I said, the girly tutu wearing, you know, I'm going to smile and nod girl. However, Tanya Harding's secret weapon of it all is that she was fantastic. You know, she was the best skater that you could put out there. Um, so in comes Nancy Kerrigan, Kerrigan, who is awesome in her own right. I mean, I can't, I can skate in a straight line. That's about it. So to me, they're all <laughs> fantastic. But as a, a, a an avid watcher of figure skating, you know, both of these girls really, really good. At, and they, there's kind of a, a weird, um, like battle between the two, I guess, because Nancy Kerrigan again is is the 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 character that they want to put up there, you know. And so of course you've got her and Tanya Harding kind of battling it out with others too. Of you know who's the best, who who's going to go to the Olympics, who's going to win gold in the Olympics, who's going to be, you know, that. Um, and so then that comes, you know, the rumor or, you know, allegedly, I guess, Tanya Harding hires someone to essentially take out Nancy Garrigan so she can't compete in the Olympic qualifiers and, and all that stuff. So do you not believe that she did it? I believe that she did it. Okay. Yeah. Um, like growing up, like my, like my mom and my grandma are mm -hmm. both, my grandma was, like, a huge conspiracy theory. Like, my, I shouldn't be saying this yeah. on the record, <laughs> but, like, my grandma, when Princess Di died, mm -hmm. like, she was, like, the queen. Like, <laughs> my, my, my family's from Europe. Like, they, they're like that, too. Um, they, and, like, so, like, my mom, everything. like, yeah. growing up, whenever, my mom would watch ice skating all the time, figure skating, and all of those, like, documentaries on it. Mm -hmm. Um and I just remember it was like a staple of my childhood hearing that Tanya Harding was a crook and like she. Well, I, I think the most. And a crybaby. That was my most mom's favorite. I'm willing to go is there. I mean, again, the movie I, Tanya kind of really brought this thought on for me of like, did. So the, the idea is that her and her boyfriend at the time, or fiance maybe, husband, I don't know if they. They had like been married and divorced and remarried and everything. So I don't know exactly what he was at the time, but her, her, her significant other and like his friend is like they kind of you know yeah all good. and and her claim to it uh, at first was like we didn't do it we didn't i had no idea and then she now she kind of clings to this idea of like well i kind of maybe knew something but it was all jeff and his friend and they did it like for wasn't me. it almost like i and, joked about it and then they yeah, did something it or like something. that yeah and then and you know because she has like a alibi of like well i was sleeping in the hotel room you know when it happened it's like yeah you could have set it up and <laughs> gone yeah. to sleep 
Because um, I doubt that Tanya Harding is going to go up and like yeah, swing exactly. a, like, a she's pipe not on somebody. Do it. But, um, you know, that's the idea is that, uh, you know, she did do it herself, obviously, but she kind of, they had someone hired or, you know, someone yeah. was in on it to do it. Um, and yeah, the movie really makes it seem like they kind of just joked about it and then the guy took it for himself and was like, well, well yeah, I'm going to do this favor for Tanya. And, you know, it... And I think the way that Tanya Harding kind of feels about it now is very much like, well, I didn't do it, but I wish I did, or something yeah. like that, which is, like, not something you should say if you want to try to yeah. get out of. Well, that's like OJ, like, you know. if I did it, yeah, here's yeah. what I would have done. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, I did. I put him on the list, and I was like, that's just too much to get into right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's an interesting story, and they keep coming back to it, and I... I do feel sorry for her in the regard that she's basically shunned from, like, the United States. <laughs> Didn't she box? She did, something yes. Asked, well, because, okay, so, so the whole aspect of her being kind of above the law is in the fact that she never got any sort of legal anything for this. The most, like, she was banned from USA Figure Skating for life. Yeah. Um, which, again, like, I mean, I do... I, I want to feel bad, I guess, because... And that's, again, the movie, I think, has made me kind of draw back a little bit. When you were talking about Tanya Harding, I thought of this quote, this tweet that I saw yesterday from a crafty Jen. It was, girl child and I just watched I, Tanya. At the end, she looked at me, I guess you're not that bad of a mom. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, But yeah, the end of of I, Tanya is basically her kind of, her court court hearing, I guess, um, where they tell her, you know, you're banned from figure skating, and she starts sobbing, and she's like, this is all I have, this is all I've ever known, like, I dropped out of school, I don't have an education, like, I can't do anything else, you know? Um, and so I do kind of feel bad for you in that regard, but I mean, if this, if you did this, you deserve it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like, she didn't go to jail or anything, so... To your knowledge, did she have anything to do with I, Tanya? Um... I believe she was like consulted and stuff or okay. I mean I know she was at like the premieres and everything so I don't in, think in they terms did this, I mean like, of like was it her idea to make this film because then my question would be do you think that. this was like a PR a very late I PR think stuff everything but... she does is a PR statement yeah because she she want I don't I mean at this point I don't even think she wants to clear her name I think she just wants attention and you know, cause, I mean, things come up every couple of years. Every time the Olympics comes around again, mm-hmm. we hear more and more about this. And I mean, like I said, it's one of my personal favorite stories. Like, it's just so fascinating well, to me. It's fascinating to me as a non-sports fan because, you know, you think about these, like, uh, feuds between big brawny athletes mm-hmm. and then it's the figure skaters who, like, yeah. not that she did it herself, but, you know... Figure skating just yeah. seems like an odd sport Again, it's to just, like it's so, whack somebody yeah. in. But that I mean, that's the whole the whole point of the whole story of Tanya Harding is that she's this person who is not from the figure skating, you know, shouldn't be from the figure skating realm as we know it, and just burst her way in and was like, yeah, you know, I'm proud trailer trash and yeah. I'm gonna be here and, and very I'm quickly good. burned out. And but I mean, but that and that's just what I mean as a sports fan, as a figure skating fan, what's so frustrating to me is that if she just like kept her head down and, and did the did the thing, she would have always been regarded as one of the best Olympic figure skaters that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And instead this is what she's known for, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, I mean that's just an issue with so many of these people is like they're gonna be tainted forever and not that that's you know if you've done something horrific like yes that's what you should be known known for but you know behind this whole smoke screen of story is like she was the first american woman to land the triple axel Mm -hmm. and that's huge you know yeah and that i mean i did like that the movie the whole beginning of the movie is about that which is awesome um and i mean she wouldn't have gotten away with cursing out officials and you know, doing and starting fights and stuff yeah. if she wasn't that good. So, yeah. But I think she definitely ended up above the law. So, like, there's not many places that you can hire a, essentially a hitman yeah. <laughs> and get away with it with, you know, short of, I mean, being banned from figure skating. She Nothing else happened yeah. to her, you know? And yeah, I mean, she's still famous she and she's still gotten. making movies and, yeah. you know, has had multiple movies made about her. And, yeah, she did go on to have a short-lived, like, boxing career, but I think that was just kind of a... Again, a way to get fame and, you know. Yeah. Well, so that concludes our episode on celebrities, specifically athletes, musicians yeah. who are above the law, or in some cases, uh, who whose legacy 
was not as tainted as it should be by the horrible <laughs> things they did. Um, if there are any other people that you can think of who... Oh, yeah. I definitely didn't even go into everybody on my list. Yeah. So tweet us. This um, is a part two that needs to happen. Yeah. Tweet us. Uh, you can either tweet us at Beyond Baselines with an S, B-A-S-S-L-I-N-E-S, or tweet us individually. I'm at Brianna N. Cooper, B-R-E-A-N-N-A. I don't want to say my Twitter. It's it's in the handle. Oh, or yeah. It's in the, it's the, in the bio. bio. I didn't set up the Twitter, so right. I forget that it's in the bio. So I'm not spelling out my name for you every single time. But I'm yeah, sorry. Leave, us, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to hear. And until then, we'll see you the next time we go over the baselines. We go beyond the baselines. I fucked oh that up. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Nope. Yeah, it's, yeah.